Hello everybody and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo. I'm your host Molly Martian um, and I know you're used to hearing me in the street uh, in these podcast intros um, but to be honest with you I have no real reason to be in the street right now um, and also it is fucking miserable outside so I thought I'd record the intro in the kitchen for a change. I hope that's okay with everybody. <laughs> Um, today I'm bringing you a podcast um, that I recorded more than a month ago now. Uh, it was actually the first of this batch of podcasts that I recorded, um, and it pertains to a question that I've seen asked here and there over the years, which is, is the doctor autistic? Um, now, I, I realised that I was maybe not the best equipped to answer that question because I don't have an autism diagnosis, so I got in touch with someone who does, and not only is autistic, but also works for um, an autism charity, so knows loads about autism. And that is my old friend, Georgia Harper, who um, has been on this podcast a couple of times before, but who I actually hadn't seen for, um, turns out, like four years. Um, so it was lovely, not only to record another podcast with her, but also just to catch up with her. It was lovely to see her. Um, she came over to my flat. We had some oven pizzas um, and... We kind of unpicked that question, but we also um, had a long conversation about kind of autism generally and, and her experience of autism and kind of what it means to be autistic, um, which was really great and really enlightening. But what it does mean is this podcast probably has the least Doctor Who content of any Galactic Yo I've ever made. Um, but I'm actually not going to apologize for that because I think... The conversation's really interesting, and I think Georgia has um, so much uh, insight to share here, uh, and I think we really get into some interesting areas um, about, yeah, autism generally, and then in terms of Doctor Who, um, not only the character of the Doctor, but actually why um, Doctor Who is a, a, such a common interest for autistic people. Um you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of autistic people listen to Galactic Yo-Yo. Um, and I, yeah, I hope you guys get something from this. I hope if you're not autistic, you get something from this. Um, I certainly got a lot from this conversation. Um, but I'll stop yapping because I just want you to hear it. Um, a couple of notes. Uh, about an hour and 20 minutes in, I say uh, a gog when I mean aghast. Uh, annoyed me while I was editing, so I thought I'd correct myself here. Um, and also, I get the name of the Instagram handle of the podcast wrong. I say it's uh, Galactic Yo-Yo Pod underscore, when in fact it is Galactic Yo-Yo underscore. But that's okay, because all that information is in the description anyway, as is a link to Georgia's lovely podcast that she does with her partner, or she did with her partner, Philip. Uh, highly recommend that. Um... But without further ado, uh, that's all the admin for today, for today. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Georgia Harper about whether the doctor is autistic. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo.
cool. Give us another one, two. One, two, one, two. Gorgeous. Um, cool. We just have had oven pizzas, didn't we, Georgia? They were lovely. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I, I heated them up myself. <laughs> um, I, what I really wanted from the supermarket was they've started doing a pizza at Sainsbury's. They have a range of oven pizzas that are sort of, um, they're a bit more like a takeout one. Yeah. Do you, do you know the ones I mean? I, I don't think I've had them from Sainsbury's. I've seen I've seen the ones that are like you get these you get this deal and the but the deal is always like you have to get the giant pizza, all of the sides and dessert, and then it ends up being like Oh yeah, no, which is a shame. They're fucking good though. They are and there, there's a there's a a pizza, the cheese feast, and it's got mm-hmm. uh like cheese in the crust and everything. And I wanted one of those, but they were sold out. I'm so, so I, sorry. I had to get um like a bit of a posher one that was like mm-hmm. nice cherry tomatoes yeah. and nice mozzarella. You, you can tell a pizza is posh when the tomato is like kind of intact. Yes. Rather than being in sauce. So- I mean, it was in sauce as well, but yes. like... When it's got fresh tomato yeah. on it, that really adds and it something. And it was very nice, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, Okie dokie. I, I, I can't work out if this is a sound test or if this is going in oh, the podcast. This is, this is fully going in. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> this is Georgia. Um, say hello, Georgia. Hello, Georgia. What? Hello. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't. Right, the joke Uncle was right Robert. there. Um, <laughs> Georgia has been on this podcast twice before. Uh, once uh, to talk about your unpopular opinions way back when mm-hmm. we spoke, I think, at length about the Rebel Flesh. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the second time we chatted about. In my opinion, the best episode of the Jodie Whittaker era, The Haunting of Olivia mm. Datti. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think I, in general, I think liked the Jodie Whittaker era m- more than most people. Um, so I, I, I feel like I didn't necessarily have the same, like, mm-hmm. peak trough that a lot of people got with, like, Haunting of Olivia Datti and then, I guess, The Timeless Children, yeah. which we didn't know about at the time. True. Innocent days, simpler times. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, and Matt, like, you were saying the last time you saw me was um, I did a, a a show called This Poo Shall Pass, like a yes. one woman show, right at the start of 2020, like um, just before uh, coronavirus happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you, this would have been in Innocent Times pre uh, Timeless Child because I think Timeless Child aired the night of my show. Yes, that's right. Um, and pre coronavirus yeah i said innocent times i didn't even think about the pandemic yeah. i was just thinking time to sell but yeah what pre, is, pre what liz truss mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow just 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 sorry i'm just i'm just seeing a montage of the past four years yeah crazy um yeah <laughs> so there's kind of central question of our podcast today i've been talking for such a long time i'm so sorry Georgia. <laughs> um is is the doctor autistic um and I have to say with this one, I thought of the question before I thought of the guest. I thought, I'm, I want to do an episode about that. Who do I know who's not only autistic themselves, but knows loads about autism? And I thought, Georgia Harper. Georgia, you're autistic. What does that mean? Um, good question. You would think with, uh, you know, with that preamble, I'd have had time to think about this and I haven't. Well, like, um, to be so fair, I, I didn't like... warn you about the question. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> also, it's, it's, kind of, the... it's kind of an unfair question because it's a question I'm asking knowing that it's a, co- that a complicated answer is needed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what interviews are, aren't they? I suppose so. <laughs> you don't want me to be like, yes. Um, no. So. What is autism? Autism. Yes. <laughs> 
autism is a, I guess, a, new, a neurodevelopmental condition, a way of thinking, a thing my brain is. Um, what that can look like is, uh, can be different for, um, you know, every autistic person is different. Generally, it is characterized by kind of differences in the way that we communicate, social challenges that come with that, um, sensory differences. I can get, you know, really overwhelmed by like crowds and conflicting noises and things like that. But equally, it means I can listen to the same song a million times in a row and never get tired of it. Um, so I guess there's a lot in there around, like, preference for sameness and routine and kind of doing the same things over and over again. Um, but yeah, that's... Sorry, that's really broad. No, I um, mean, my, the question um, invited a broad answer. Mm -hmm. Um would you use the word disability? Um, so I would. Um, this is a definitely a really, I guess, controversial topic, and mm -hmm. lots of you know different autistic people have different opinions on this. I think the way that I kind of, I definitely had a period growing up of being like, you know, this isn't a, you know, this isn't that. a disability. This is a difference. And I think what I've kind of come around to thinking about is the world isn't really set up for autistic people. Mm. Like, ultimately, we are kind of, like, I guess, like, a minority, like, the vast majority of people are not autistic and would not, you know, think of things in the same way. Um, and so the world isn't really set up for our needs. So there's almost the sort of, I guess, the social model thing of disabled by society kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Um, and I kind of, like, I don't know, like, disabled, like... Autism isn't a bad thing, but also like being disabled isn't a, isn't bad, a bad thing. thing yes. So that's that's kind of where I come at it. But mm -hmm. there are definitely people who would feel very differently about that. Yes, because is there a version you were talking about? Um, you mentioned the word difference as mm -hmm. a way of describing it. Is there a, a sort of parallel universe where autistic people are in the majority? Mm -hmm. Alistic people is that the is that the correct yeah term? yeah I haven't it's been a while yeah uh, alist alistic yeah. people i.e. non-autistic people are in the minority in the way that autistic people are in yeah. reality and and are, are kind of considered yeah disabled like, because it because it would make kind of life kind of difficult for yeah for them yeah that's that's you know is that kind I of think, a good way I think of looking that's at how it? I broadly how I think about it of course yeah. it's a lot more complicated um mm -hmm. if the majority of people in the world were autistic we still wouldn't be able to turn off the sun maybe we'd club together and find a machine to do it but then the planet would die so it was kind of backfire um C can you like, explain what you mean by oh that? yeah sorry um <laughs> Yeah, I know what um, you mean, but my listeners um, won't necessarily. One of, one of my big sensory triggers is is temperature, basically. Yeah. Um, which I is, think you about know, you whenever it's a nice I'm, day. I'm really <laughs> sorry. I I I do have a I you know there were a couple of friends who like I'm because I'm at particular times of year very on top of the weather forecast. Mm -hmm. I have a responsibility actually to break the good news to a lot of people, and it does give <laughs> me some joy that I get to be like, look. You know, you're going to be happy about this. Um, uh, yeah, and I guess kind of... But then again, that's not true. You know, that's a, a, a sensory issue that you have. Yeah. That is there not people, true for all oh, autistic people. There are people, people who are exactly the opposite. And this yeah. is the thing, like, 
you know, there isn't necessarily a one size fits all autism friendly. You get, you will have autistic people who need silence and you will have autistic people who need to make lots of noise and actually the same person in different contexts. For sure. You know, I guess on like, going back to your earlier point, um, I've, because I think listeners will probably be more familiar with the term neurotypical. Mm. Um, essentially, there is a sort of subtle distinction there in that neurodiversity encompasses quite a wide range of things. So that includes autism, but also ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, all, all of that. So Obsessive compulsive disorder, be, I guess, maybe. So, yes, yeah. yeah. So you, you can be... N- neurodivergent and not autistic yeah for so sure. a, li- a listic is a term that's kind of come up to mean specifically non-autistic mm-hmm. um so i will probably end up using them interchangeably but that's what they mean mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i mean i you, you know what you said what you said about every autistic person being different i mean it's kind of an obvious point but it rings true because um my own sister is autistic mm-hmm. she's 14 she was diagnosed when she was maybe, gosh, I want to say it was about five or six years oh, wow. ago. Maybe she was n- maybe she was nine or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, I can see, um, you know, some of the things that stress you out, like mm. the like the crowds and stuff yeah. like that. She gets like that too. Yeah. There are some ways in which you're different. Yeah. She has special interests. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, your manner of speaking is quite similar. Um, so it's it's interesting to kind of think about. But then there are other autistic people I know where I can, you know, th- there are next to no differences, next to no similarities with yeah. either my sister or you. So you can, you know, there. Are, do you see that there's a kind of, um, is it fair to say that sometimes there are commonalities between yes, yeah. autistic it's people and of, you can kind of go, okay. Yeah, like... You know, you can, like, I guess sometimes you can see traits being autistic and being, you know, and working in autism. Like, I end up seeing it everywhere and in everyone. Um, mm-hmm. um, if anything, it's the Altar is overactive. But I like, was literally going to ask about this in a minute. Yes, yeah. Altar, it is a word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. I've written here, autistic radar. Yes. Um, but yes, Altar's great. Um, so... Yeah, you can't, but equally, like, you know, I think we still have quite a stereotyped view of autism in the media. We've kind Mm -hmm. of come, like, when I was diagnosed, which was, I was nine, Mm -hmm. so this would have been, like, mid, early 2000s, we were still being told to go and watch Rain Man. Right, which um, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think as a society, we have moved beyond Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was dated when I saw it. Mm-hmm. But there is still, I think sometimes there's a bit of a binary. There's a kind of a, you are Rain Man or you uh, don't seem autistic to me. So you must be faking it and or never have any problems ever. And sure. like, it's yeah, yeah, kind yeah, yeah, of, yeah. I guess it's worth noting that like, you know, all of us have that in our heads. So... You know, it might be that you would never know that somebody is autistic until they told you about it or, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get into masking and all of that sort of thing. Like, yeah, a couple of questions sorry. from that then. No, don't be sorry. Um, uh, Do you, th- 
I, well, I guess I'll just start with the first question. Do you think that you are better than other people are at identifying when people have autism? I um, mean, yeah. I, I, I think probably better than average, but like, I'm not sure how much of that is to do with me being autistic and how much of it is to do with accidentally making this my personality in my life. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that. I think... And you, know, are you maybe, like, do, do you like fraternize with um, more autistic people than, than uh, uh, like a neurotypical yeah, person might? Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is down to special interest as well. Like, as, as you may have guessed, I'm a Doctor Who fan and that alone <laughs> drastically increases the number of autistic and neurodivergent right. people I know. I'm also... Let's put a pin in that because I've got a question. Yes. Well, <laughs> and also while I must stress... Not all autistic people like trains. I like trains. So, again, it's a fandom where you meet a lot of autistic people. And I, you know, I work in autism. So, a lot of autistic people. So, like, I have in some ways got myself into a bit of a bubble. Um, Mm. And, again, doing what I do. We talked about this earlier. But doing what I do and then coming back and talking about what I do to my friends in the Doctor Who fandom has made a few people go oh ha- hang on hang on I've, I've i've done a few kind of i've had a few obviously i can't name names i've had a few like wait am i autistic questions over the years right with different people just because i guess you know these fandoms for different reasons and we'll get on to it in a minute yeah kind of attracts neurodivergent people so yeah so this is maybe maybe this is just my perception of it but um I th- I feel like this is becoming a bigger thing. This kind of questioning of like, mm-hmm. am I autistic? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, there's so, so much talk about self-diagnosis. So I don't want to get into it too mm-hmm. much. Um, but you know, is there? Let me word this correct. This question correctly. Um, is it okay? For a person to um, look at themselves, read about autism, talk to other autistic people, and diagnose themselves with autism and start identifying that way. I mean, I think in you know, I broadly speaking, I'd say probably yes. Like, I think it's obviously a complicated issue, mm. and the first thing I always come to here is right now, at least in the UK, that's what you have to do. Sure. Because the waiting lists are months, if it, not years there's long. There's so many... Um, so, so everybody... Parallels with being like, trans here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's weird because I've had a few conversations with this at work and basically, like, autism waiting lists are kind of the only thing that comes close to, like, gender waiting lists, mm-hmm. but not that close because it's literally decades sure. in some places, I think. It's but I imagine horrendous. that there's a... A huge number of people who are on both. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. You know, there's a, there's again, there's a lot of talk in the media yeah. about the, uh, the Venn diagram of yes. transgender people and autistic people. Yeah. Which, which there's a lot of negative is, chat yes. about that. A, a uh, lot of assumptions you know. that autistic people don't know their own minds right. and are all children. A lot um, of that, and <laughs> a lot of like, yeah, like maybe that is a pattern, and maybe yeah. that's fine. The way that. Like, does my, it my matter? Understa- yeah. My understanding of the kind of evidence base is that, like, probably more autistic people are LGBT in general and trans in particular. We don't 
really know for sure. We also don't really know why. There's kind of a theory that, like, well, maybe autistic people are just more likely to be out because of, like, because caring less or being an outsider right. anyway. Right. So. But we don't we don't know. And again, I as had you say, never heard it's that only viewpoint before. You know, it's it's only a bad thing if you think being autistic or trans is a bad thing. So this is you know, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So going back to kind of I guess the self identification point, and you're right, yeah, there are a lot of parallels. Like, first of all, you literally if you want to get a diagnosis you're going to be self-identifying for a couple of years. Mm. That's just mm-hmm. what's going to happen, even if you hate it. Like, that's just that's just what, how things are right now. Um, and also, like, it's one of these things that, like, in an ideal world, we wouldn't be treating this as, like, a condition to go and get a diagnosis because there's something wrong with you. Right, yeah, In yeah, an yeah, ideal yeah. world... You would have your needs and you would they would be met, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And that can look different. And sometimes, like we talked a bit earlier about neurodiversity broadly. Like basically, in order to study and understand this stuff, we've had to come up with little boxes, but brains don't always fit those. So, no. you know, if you meet one neurodivergent diagnosis, the chances are you meet more than one, and that is very difficult to then, you know, get assessed. Right. If you, and then, oh, yeah, kind of difficult yeah. to think about. And what, then you have, like, yeah. you get people who are like, oh, a little from A, a little from B. And, like, yeah. I, my, um, I'm I'm going to do an unpopular opinion, which is an autism one. Okay. Um, it's definitely not the views of my employer, um, which is I actually, I've come around to thinking that maybe it is possible to be a bit autistic in the sense that the criteria are a bit arbitrary and you have to draw the line somewhere. That doesn't mean everyone is a bit autistic. No. We're still talking about a minority of people. Sure. But like, yeah, it's kind of like, and I think, you know, <sighs> yeah, the well, other I, thing, I, think I guess it, the yeah. other thing to say is that like, People who are identifying as autistic are not taking anything away from people who have a formal diagnosis because the support is none. So you're you're For taking sure. the all zero support there is. Yeah, like, exactly. And it's the same. Yeah, yeah. it's the same in the, the trans people. Isn't yeah. it? It's like that people that are deemed like trans genders are not. Yeah. It's, I'm not. You know, nothing's anyway. Um. That's another that's another topic yeah. entirely. Sorry, I could but talk about this for hours. We probably want to talk about Doctor Who at some point. Quite, we will get onto <laughs> yeah. Doctor Who in a minute, I promise. I think quite a good like um uh example case for this is that like I said, my sister's autistic mm-hmm. um and her diagnosis, um you know, she was autistic before her diagnosis, she's autistic after her diagnosis, but She's a much happier person now. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it's just because she's got older and she's because she's a bit older, she's able to manage her emotions mm-hmm. better, manage herself better. And it's just like a more mature person because yeah. she's not a tiny child anymore. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but some of it is, I think, because the things that she didn't understand about herself, she now understands. Absolutely. And yeah. the things that, the needs that weren't being met are now being met more successfully than they were yeah. before my parents understand her better mm-hmm. you know um it's changed her life for the better to have that mm-hmm. diagnosis you know i have had um you know i'm not somebody who calls themselves autistic however i've had psychologists mm-hmm. mention autism um my own mother is mentioning autism all the mm-hmm. time to me because she knows loads about it now because my sister yeah. and I've, the fact that you have an autistic sibling right you know. i have conversations um, with friends like, about it and like 
yeah, it's one that my mum has said to me, like, don't you think that like, you should, like, go and see someone about it? You should, like, make more of an effort to, like... And I'm and, and my view on it is I'm happy to just call myself, like, neurodivergent mm-hmm. and be happy with, like, I'm a little bit different. Yeah. It doesn't... It doesn't make my life difficult enough that I feel I need yeah. to seek that diagnosis. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that that a bit autistic thing speaks to me mm-hmm. i think you know not everyone is a bit autistic no. i could name you lots of people in my life who maybe are i could name you lots of people who are definitely not i am a bit autistic you know yeah, it's like I, I think it's interesting you know i think people end up again taking just really different views on this and partly just down to like your life circumstances and you know are you happy and comfortable enough right now because mm. that so i was diagnosed I got the diagnosis, I was nine, and I kind of didn't really understand it at the time. So it all sort of happened, you know, I didn't have it. It wasn't a eureka moment for me. It was, oh, this is happening. And it meant that as I grew up, I already had the framework. So I haven't had, I haven't had that experience of, oh, wow, this diagnosis has changed my life. Mm. But it is very, very common, particularly for those who get the diagnosis or otherwise come to the realization in adulthood. Mm. But equally, there are lots of people who are like, well, you know, I'm happy and I don't want to take the psychic damage of going through a several year long waiting For list sure. to, to get a bit of paper that's still pretty stigmatized in some ways. Like, yeah. you know, so it's kind of like, yeah, people just take very different views on that. And that's pretty much it. Like, if you kind of feel like you understand yourself and can kind of meet your own needs as best you can then yeah i see why you wouldn't want to then go through this weird process this of rigmarole get, get, giving getting someone to give you a bit of paper to say yes you're right <laughs> like totally yeah. and yeah before we are going to move on to doctor who i promise we're going to move on to doctor <laughs> Who. before we do i wanted to touch on um i guess especially because you're a woman and my sister is a girl mm-hmm. um what is the there's a there's a kind of autism autism is treated differently when you're a woman compared to when you're a man. Mm-hmm. What what's all that about? Yeah, so like autism historically has been seen as a male condition. Sure. Um, like a lot of conditions, all the research was done on me- well boys because autism also was seen as a childhood condition. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was done in in kind of boys and. Now we recognise that that is not, you know, that people of any gender can be autistic, but you still have those biases of like, you know, the screening tools are kind of coded towards male-coded interests. And it's a weird thing to talk about because obviously in real life, lots of women have these male-coded interests Mm. and lots of men don't, but like it's, it's coded in that way. The stereotypes we have around autism are often male and white and young. Um, You know, lots of people, mostly women, probably not always, get this, you don't look autistic, which is really silly because Mm. autism doesn't look like anything. And I don't think that people actually believe that autism looks like anything what they're saying there is, you don't fit this image I have in my head of a five-year-old white boy who is lining up trains. Right, like it's, yeah. It's, yeah, and so what that means in practice, um, and also things like 
some of the stereotypical interests of a stereotypical autistic person it's like again i've talked about trains maths you know science and we push girls away from those things Mm. and then we push girls towards i don't know fashion and horses and celebrities and then when you have a someone when you have a girl who only talks about fashion or horses or celebrities you think oh that's normal Mm. and and it's it kind of flies under the radar so in in practice what this means is yeah my sister for a while only spoke about hamilton yeah that's really (laughs) interesting but it's one of those things that like like you know it's not something that is, I guess, seen as like geeky and that's what people think an autistic sure. person is. Um, so in practice, what that means is that it is still much, much harder for girls and women to get a diagnosis. Mm. Um, even where, you know, there's a study that's stuck in my head that's around, you know, boys and girls with, for want of a better word, similar levels of autistic traits the girls were still diagnosed later. Right. Like, because it's just not the thing people are looking for in their heads. Mm. Um, So there is that. There's also kind of the, you know, I guess some of the more general gender bullshit, the stuff like, you know, women are supposed to be nice and never be angry and never, you know, for an autistic person might be harder potentially like mm-hmm. so you kind of get people react regardless of you know whether you're diagnosed or not all that side of things people might react to your traits differently you know there's the there's the hot like so yeah yeah um, i think with yeah with my sister there was a thing of like she would she would have these again for lack of a better word meltdowns, meltdowns yeah. all the time that, that is that is the technical term oh <laughs> I'm well sorry, yeah um, <laughs> she would have she would have meltdowns yeah. left, right, and center. It was really difficult for my parents because they didn't understand how to help her. Yeah. She didn't understand what was going on. Uh, and they were often over things that other children would not have. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, all children have meltdowns of yeah. some kind now and again. But she was having them over the kinds of things that other kids wouldn't. Um, but then she would go to school and never behave like that. That's um, really, really common in yeah. girls in particular. Um you know, and I guess that leads us on to this idea of like masking and I guess being social, like being socialized to believe that like you, you know, you have to fit these molds. So you do. And uh, to be honest, I'm not sure how much I identify with this personally. Like, I'm not sure if I ever did mask. I don't think I was very good at it. But like, you, you know, I do hear a lot of people who like literally like, rehearse what they're going to say based on tv sitcoms and you know things like that and like or like practice their expressions in the mirror and it is to consciously be thinking about that stuff is exhausting i guess the, the 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 flip side of this and obviously i don't i don't know your sister specifically but like the flip side of this is perhaps you know it is possible that some people just like you know the kind of routine of school or you know oh, she is. does that yeah. is true for her which like she finds the the, the yeah. school holidays and difficult i did yeah. i did when i was younger um and like it's i think sometimes and this is something that applies really to disability generally things can fluctuate and you can feel better in some situations than others sure and you get people who go 
you know, oh, well, she's fine in school, so why can't she do this thing that I think is easier mm. when it actually might be much harder? And, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm going to um, check whether I did my insulin. Do you remember seeing me do it? You, yes, you injected something. I did inject. Yes, that okay. happened. Jolly good. Good, you're still uh, alive. I'm not going to check whether I <laughs> did yeah. it then, so I did do it. Uh, we're going to start talking about Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Yep. Um, but actually... One more thing, but it is linked to the okay, Doctor Who thing. it's okay. So we've spoke, we've alluded a little bit already to Doctor Who being like a common special interest. Yes. Briefly, what is a special interest? Um, and then why do you think Doctor Who is such a common special interest for so autistic people? A special interest, how would I describe a special interest? Um, autistic people tend to be for want of a better word, obsessive about particular topics. Um, and that is how it would be described in kind of diagnostic criteria. Yeah. Some people, you know, kind of eventually coined the term special interest in, a, a, in an attempt to be like less pathological. Nowadays, the kind of treadmill has moved on and some people don't like that term because it's pathological. Like... Um, people say hyperfixation sometimes. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, I don't know. So like... Hyperfixation, I think, started as an ADHD term, right. which is not my division. So apologies if that's wrong. Yeah. And I think the lines have kind of blurred a little bit. Sure, which is, okay. You know, that's because, again, brains don't always fit the, the box. Absolutely. There's a lot of overlap. Um, you know, I've heard, like, I do hear people say, like, just call them passions. It's like... No, no, this is something that's specific about being autistic that's great. Let's talk about the good thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, we all have different opinions on that. It so operates I differently guess, as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you get some people who will, you know, put a lot of energy into a particular interest for their entire life. There will be a lot of people for whom it just fluctuates and will turn on and off. Right. And, you know, that could lead to, for example, spending a load of money on something and then not, you know, yeah, yeah, for ever sure. been using it. Um, and I guess for me, like, as a child, I had, we talked earlier about Pokemon. Mm. Um, another, another big one. I'm, I've, I feel like I spend a lot of time being like, all this stuff is a stereotype and then talking about how I exactly <laughs> fit the stereotype. <laughs> it's um, a Pokemon, I don't know whether this is, Maybe me thinking mm-hmm. in stereotypes again, but to me, it it's it, like Pokemon is something. It's very quantifiable. Yes. Yeah. I mean, originally you had the 151 yeah. Pokemon. It's like catalogable. Yeah. The the creator. So Satoshi Tajiri, I think is how you say his name. Right. Um, I believe is autistic. Right. I see. Um. So you know you can absolutely see those elements in there and the game the idea kind of came on his came from his own experiences of like collecting and cataloging bugs basically so it kind of you know um so yeah anyway so like when i was a child i kind of would have these things that i would just that would just become my personality for a good few years and then i would say from kind of my mid-teens when I discovered Muse and that became and is still they became and is, still are my personality like basically from that moment on 
I haven't really lost special interests. I've only accumulated them. Right. <laughs> so they kind of have muse. to do shifts now. Wait, let me do a little bingo card. So it's me. I, okay, so I muse. don't know you well, but yeah. I, but I've seen enough of your posts on social okay. media. Muse, Royal Blood, the band Royal Blood. Yes, I'm so sorry. Uh, the, um. ba- the band Bastille. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the one. Um, <laughs> Is that going to get a copyright strike now? No. Okay. Um, also. Um, yeah, one of my podcasts that is... Oh, actually, not on Spotify anymore because I took a bunch of them off. Yes. But was on Spotify for years. Literally just has a semi-sonic sonic, sonic song in it. Um, <laughs> and I got away with it for years, so I don't know. Congratulations. Um, Bastille, uh, the London Underground. Yes. Yeah, when I, when I said trains earlier, really, London Underground was like my gateway in. And then uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, there's been kind of, I guess, a few other sort of, I guess, more short-term things i had, oh, I had park a big... runs oh that was a thing yeah, for a I... bit so when i first got into running it became my personality <laughs> and then um you know honestly that has been a bit hit and miss since then right um like i definitely do still try and run regularly but like that again that's kind of an example there was a point where it became my personality for a bit and then like the kind of niche ones i I got. I, I had a phase of a few months where I learned about like the history of the regional companies behind ITV and got <laughs> really into like. That's and then, so rogue. No, <laughs> no, but then like from there, what I liked was all the different brand idents that ITV used, to, all that the networks used to I have. See. And then I got into idents, right? Which is great because then you get things like Doctor Who idents, and you start getting into the Times Two combo. You Excuse know. Me? I, I say, like, times two combo, special interest. Oh, I see. You may, you may remember that uh, our first, the first time I came on this podcast, we talked about the Rebel Flesh, the one with supermassive black hole in it. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. So that's this not is the when, only reason I love that episode, but it's a big reason. Sure, when your special yeah. interests interact. Yes. How interesting. Right, so Doctor Who, why... Yes. Are so many autistic people so into Doctor Who? Why do we think what it, what do we think it is about Doctor Who that specifically appeals to autistic it's, people? It's really interesting because, like, I think perhaps some of it is some of the same sort of things you are saying about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You've got this whole world. Yeah. Um, it's kind of quantifiable in the sense, I guess, that there are episodes. I mean, it's more infinite you, you cannot possibly consume all of doctor who you might have tried no, I no. Do, no. okay good i don't <laughs> think it, i don't think it's physically possible no i gave and up like, on that idea a long time like, ago <laughs> you know um but i also think so this i'm kind of going to bring us to the central question okay because this was fa- this was put doctor to me as who? yeah this was kind of put to me as is the doctor autistic Yes, and yes. the more that I thought about that, we can come back to that in a second. Yes, of course. But the more that I thought about that, the more I kind of realised that perhaps the question was, why do so many autistic people identify with the Doctor? Sure, okay, And I yes. think there's something about, you know, the Doctor is an outsider. They're an alien, at different points, they've been the last of their species and now that I don't even know what I am. And, you know, they're pretty much alone and they kind of have to make friends with humans in a society they don't quite understand. And, you know... Just that sense of being of, something yeah, other. Ex- outsider. And I guess kind of the eccentricities that come with that. And 
you know, Doctor Who attracts a lot of LGBT fans for, I think, actually quite similar reasons. Totally, so, yeah. So, you know, so there's kind of, I kind of wanted to talk about that element a bit as like, that is not necessarily an autistic trait, but it is a common experience for autistic people that will then it's yeah it's a reflection of like the the autistic experience i also think like there's a bit of a self-perpetuating thing where it's about finding ultimately people who understand you and you know i was into doctor who through the kind of revival um but really it took off for me when i went to university and i found um you know the doctor who society and this was you know Again, we kind of touched on this earlier, but this is the time of life where a lot of people are like, time to discover clubbing and alcohol. And that's not to say that there aren't autistic people who love to discover clubbing and alcohol, but I yeah. did not get on with that very well. And What meme was... did I see the other day? It was like, it was extremely reductive, but it did make me laugh. It was like, um, why did I have to get the substance abuse autism and not the good at maths autism? <laughs> I've seen a lot of variations of of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, but yeah, I I do not have the substance abuse autism. I have whatever the opposite of that is. Sure. Um, and so, but like, I think for me there is a parallel. This is such a diversion, but I okay. I think it's an interesting thing to get into because I have. I'm not going to say I have substance abuse issues, but I have a I have an addictive personality, mm. and it's got me into trouble with yeah. you know drink and stuff before, and and to me the part of me that is drawn to that kind of behavior feels like the same part of me that is that wants to listen to the same song 20 times in a row. That's really interesting because I've kind of been, like, I've been thinking about some of this over the past couple of years. I don't, so I don't, I don't drink. I've never been drunk. I, you know, again, I have whatever the opposite of the substance abuse sure. autism is, but... I, like, I do a lot of, like, you know, I get really bogged down into, like, doom scrolling and, like, obsessive checking of things and, like, you know, um, I guess, like, going into people's profiles and being like, do they think I'm a bad person because bad opinions on whatever or, right, like, sure, sure. or the weather forecast and I'm so yes. glad I explained it earlier so I don't have to now yeah. and like um I like I hadn't really thought about it before because that's not what people think about when mm. you know it is much less destructive than uh, getting drunk I guess but like For sure but, but like um you know the part of my brain that loves repetition and will find such joy in Doctor Who or, you know, my favourite bands or all of that will also repeat on the thing I'm worrying about. And it's, right. it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah, yeah. thing. And I kind of, I, a couple of years ago, came across, some, again, the algorithm. Um, I came across a lot of like OCD content and I don't think I would meet, criteria for OCD mm-hmm. but I found some of the framing around obsessions and compulsions quite helpful in understanding sure where 
actually I don't help myself very much. Mm-hmm. I got down to checking the weather forecast once a day last summer and I was very pleased. Um, it didn't last. Well then, it didn't last because then September came and I was just like, what are you? <laughs> like <laughs> summer last year was like, we didn't have summer in summer. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, you're so uh, yeah. right. And I was just like, Ugh. Anyway. Well, I have a similar thing. I have an ongoing thing with my flatmate who you met earlier yeah. where um, she knows that I look at Graham Linehan's Twitter at Ooh, least once a day. You don't want to do that. It, I mean, it's sort of low-key. It's, it's low-key self-harm. But this, she's no, she's like, have you looked at Graham Linehan today? And I'm like, only once. No, you it's, know. It's, it's the same. Th- I mean, I, I don't. Obviously, I don't have the exact same experience of looking at Graham Linehan's yeah, feed. But sure. there, are, there are people's feeds who I look at and certain topics that I look at. And like, again, my partner mm. um, is amazing at being like, Georgia, why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Don't you don't have to do this. It must be helpful Think to have someone like that around. Think of the millions of hobbies that you could be doing yeah. right now. And I am at the moment, I'm on a bit of a like, look at my phone less kick. Sure. Um, we don't know, you know, probably won't last very long. But like, yeah, it's, I do think that like, it is basically the same bit of my brain. And actually, as if to prove my own point coming back to weather, um, like, I've tried to describe that thing in so many different ways and never quite managed it. But the closest I've come is special interest, Mm -hmm. but like, but bad. Yes. Imagine a special interest. Like, have you seen, um, have you seen like the episode of community where they have the darkest timeline? No, I haven't seen that. There's like, basically it's, it's a bit of a running joke, but they, they all have like evil versions of themselves. Okay. And this is the evil version of doctor who. Like it's totally. kind of the same mechanism. So yeah, I sorry, massive diversion, but I relate to that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess coming back to Doctor Who, um Yeah. I guess we decided that the 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 key things are that it's um you know, that you can relate to the doctor as a character a little bit maybe. Um there's a lot of there's a lot of it to digest. Yeah, I, I also think that like th- and this is where I was getting to it's a bit of a it becomes a bit of a self-perpetuating thing. Oh, yes, yes. Because yeah. if you have a lot of neurodivergent people that like Doctor Who, and then they join slash form this community, mm. and then the next generation of neurodivergent people come along, and they find this community that understands them, and are suddenly like... So yeah, and that's that, true. that is almost more attractive than the show. So it kind of becomes a bit of a self-perpetuating thing. Yeah, I know what you mean, um, actually. Which is, yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's funny. I was talking to. Um, uh, I'm really into the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, I know loads about the Beatles, so I guess kind of what you were saying about the the Times Two, yes, uh, thing. Um, next season, it looks like we're gonna have a Beatles um, episode. Yes. Um, so that'll be that for me. Yeah. I am obsessed with the Beatles. I know loads about them. Um, probably, I I have quite the same knowledge of the Beatles as I do of Doctor Who but it's, it rivals it certainly yeah. um, which is impressive because you know a lot about Doctor Who yeah like uh, that's still <laughs> and I was saying to one of my flatmates I was saying um, oh, it's so shit that like my like quote unquote special interests are things that loads of people know loads about like it's not I, they're not niche really it's like I'm not alone in knowing loads mm-hmm. about Doctor Who and the Beatles 
And then I thought about it and I was I was like, actually, probably there's a reason for that because it's there's a wealth of knowledge about those things that is easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so there's a lot to I, know about the Beatles. Exactly. Like, so there's getting a lot to know about Doctor Who. Right. Getting your kind of fix of both of those things yeah. is this is where it feels like drinking drugs again. Um, but getting your fix of those mm. kinds of things is way easier because I could like, you know, I can, I could Google the Beatles now. I go in the Beatles subreddit or whatever, and I could learn loads of new stuff tonight. I could learn loads of new stuff about Doctor Who tonight if I wanted to. I, yeah. There's, I, you know, I could never stop reading about those two things, and that's what kind of makes them so predisposed to being yeah, a special interest I in guess a way. Something like you know, um, we mentioned you mentioned uh, this earlier, but basically. A few years ago, I was in a really bad place. And then a band called Royal Blood released an album called Typhoons. And <laughs> it, it basically became my personality for about six months. And by which point I had rebooted successfully enough that I could develop other personality sure. traits, maybe. <laughs> and like, it's... But what's interesting about that is, I like... Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I still love them, despite Mike Carr's best efforts. Um, and, um, but, like, obviously, this is a band that had done, at the time, three albums. They'd been around for a couple of years. They'd been pretty successful. But when compared to The Beatles, like, The Beatles were significantly more successful. Exactly. And just significantly You're more You're not going to find, like, loads of so reference books of, about yeah, Royal Blood. Yeah, I... I'll need to write them because yeah. nobody else. <laughs> no, um, but like, so it's kind of a bit of a self. It's like it's a, it's you're sort of limited. Like there was a point where I would just spend months watching all of these royal blood videos and everything on YouTube. But you can only do that. There's only so many of them. Right. Exactly. Like, and I guess. The difference there is because obviously that is a band that is still going and is still going. There's going to be new content at some point. Sure. So it's not like this is done. I got I got really into um, a similar time, actually. Um, I got really into... Have you ever heard of the game Papers, Please? No, I don't know that. So it's a sort of PC game. I think they've released it on mobile now. Um, but it's sort of a very simple game where basically you are a border guard of a fictional implied Eastern European country. Right. And it starts off as being like, you have to like accept or reject people and follow these rules. But then A, the rules get more complicated and B, you're presented with like moral dilemmas. So it's cool. like, do you be a good person and risk your own life and your family's own life? Or do you play it by the book and actually do really, really horrible things. Sure. Um, and it's, it's really interesting, but, like, it also has that thing of, like, it's quite repetitive. It's like, your passport comes in, check it. It's like, especially if you do the, like, by the book, I'm just going to be evil version. Yeah. But there's, like, 20 different endings, and there are different achievements you can get for doing weird things. So I got into this, and it became my personality for about a month because I wanted to get all the endings and I was researching how to get all the endings. And then one day I got all the endings and it was just kind of like, well, that was fun. 
yeah. the end, yeah. you know. But it was something like the Doctor Who, as you were saying, like, you can never, you could never complete Doctor Who. Yeah, because they're never... all Because they're also still making more of it. Well, exactly. So and it's, it's like... They're still making loads manage, more of it. Even if you manage to... Even if you manage to complete the amount of Doctor Who there is now, by the time you do that, there would be twice as much Doctor Who and, again. And even then, you couldn't... Like, even if you consumed all of the Doctor Who media and they stopped making Doctor Who altogether, it's still like there are more people out there on message boards and yeah, on Twitter talking about... Whereas about your yeah. uh, Papers, Please game. And right, so today I watched season two of um, Big Boys. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's this amazing Channel 4 sitcom Mm -hmm. um, by Jack Rook. And I really like... It's actually got um, Camille Kajuri in it, plays his Uh mom. Um, It's it's really, really good. I have really thoroughly enjoyed both seasons, like um, proper heartwarming telly. You know, I couldn't have enjoyed it more, basically. And then afterwards, my instinct... After I've watched anything, my instinct is always to go on the internet and find out information about it. And I don't... You know, yeah, I was able to. I was able to read about it on IMDb. I read a couple of newspaper reviews of it, a few tweets about it. But like, actually, th- th- there's not. Yeah. There's not. You know, uh, uh, the p- communities of people talking about this thing. So kind of, no matter how much I enjoyed it, there's a yeah. there's a. Like, well, my experience is stunted by that. And I guess with Doctor Who, I'm not sure if I have that same experience with everything but with doctor who i definitely do you watch doctor who and then you open your phone and it's that it's that bit of of asdaf movie where the the guy says i'm gonna do an internet Ah!" and it's rainbows and that's what it feels like it does feel like Um, that and like it's it's brilliant and that's the fun of it it's talking about it with people and getting all the takes and seeing all the memes and like, well, I obviously don't want to dwell on this too much. You know, unfortunately, that can turn toxic, particularly right. when, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, sure. I encounter the not my doctor crowd and, the, sure. and the diet not my doctor crowd. Yes. And, the, you know, and it's the thing of like, oh, great. Now I'm obsessing over someone over something bad. Time to check their profile specifically to see this thing. I know I'm not going to like. Right. Like, I, and it's, I, yeah, I kind of had that experience yeah. after, um, the star beast right because i watched it so i i think i already told the story in the podcast but anyway i went to liverpool that weekend because uh-huh. my friend ben lives out there and um we were like planning on like going out in the town in liverpool and um, but before we went out um i was like we're going to be watching doctor who like whether Valid. you like it or not Valid. i made everyone shut up <laughs> we sat with a beer and we watched doctor who and for the most part, I love the Star Beast. I had a great time with it. The trans stuff, for reasons yeah. we won't really unpack today because I've been over it on the podcast yeah. already, I didn't really click with. Okay. And I found it kind of distressing, actually, that the episode didn't okay. land yeah, I can, that, I can see that like yeah. I wanted it to. And then I sat there on my phone, go- like on Twitter going, Doctor Who trans. Transgender Doctor Rose Noble Doctor Who reading yeah. everybody else's opinions of it, just sitting there. And then I um I have a a trans Doctor Who well, I have a bunch of do- trans Doctor Who friends, but I was speaking to like this specific trans Doctor yeah. Who friend about what she thought about it. And I just and my friends had to go, Molly, like put 
put your phone away. Like, yeah. it was like I cared too much. Like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been so emotionally invested in that. Well, it's also one of those things that, like, it's so, like, I'm cis. And I feel like if I googled the word trans on Twitter, oh I would see <laughs> I would see things that would give me immense psychic damage. So I could only imagine the level of psychic damage that you would take on. And yeah, but it, maybe yeah, not, and it wasn't like, even just people saying yeah. transphobic things. It was trans people feeling the same way about the episode that I did, and it was like I didn't want that to be happening. Oh, because like, it's like a it's like a feedback. I can't. I'm just realising where there was a special interest again. One of my big things in the heatwave hits is just go off Twitter. Go off Twitter. Sure. I can't be trusted with it. I can't be trusted. Like, I don't like when people are all like, um, you know, shut up, you'll complain when it rains or whatever. But I also don't like people who feel the same way as I do when they do. Because, right. because it's, it's, it reinforces the thing that I don't want to be thinking about. Exactly. And it's like, and then I get I get this thing of like, no, but that's not quite it. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, which sure. is I can definitely see with Doctor Who because people start arguing over like where they basically agree. Yeah. With like some pretty minor, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, and with this trans thing, it was so stressful. Yeah. Especially because I had I knew I had to make a podcast on it, and I was like, Yeah. God, I'm gonna have to do it. That's right. In the end, I'm meant to be I was meant to be partying, and I went into the into a bedroom at ben's place also crazy fact about ben i hope he doesn't mind me reading this in the podcast he lives in a two-bedroom flat by himself yeah <laughs> and i was like which one's your bedroom and he was like oh you were just kind of sleeping whichever everyone i feel in the night how crazy is that isn't that the craziest thing you've oh. ever heard in your life that's wild yeah i was like I... where have you hidden the bodies ben <laughs> so i like I, like quite early on, I hope my partner doesn't mind me mentioning this, but quite early on in my relationship with him, yeah, I was like, you know, because I was at his house, and I was like, do you have a side of the bed that you prefer to sleep on? Because sure, I, I'm going to take the other one. And he was basically like, I sleep diagonally. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, how I mean, no? How do you not have a side? People who don't have a side are crazy. Ben doesn't have a bedroom. It was great. Anyway. Yeah. Th that's beside the point. I ended up having to go in the bedroom and lying down on the bed. And I'd listen to an audio book of the cat in the hat. Uh, and that calmed me down. Yeah. Um, I, but when, um, when, uh, when Royal Blood became the main characters of Twitter for a while um, oh, last yeah. year. Yeah. I like, I had to deactivate my Twitter account. Yeah. I, I I couldn't because I kept looking at it. Yeah. And I kept and also I'm not like I basically agreed with a lot of what right. was being this said. This is stressful. I get like this, yeah. Georgia, with um Matty Healy. Oh yeah, that's, I, that's stressful. I love the nineteen seventy five. That's stressful. They're my favourite band in yeah. the whole world. Um I went I went to see them three times last year. I'm gonna see them again next month. Um Matty Healy is always saying stupid shit. Mm. Mm -hmm. He's he's basically like every other day. Matty Healy is the main character of Twitter. Yeah, this is yeah. And I get my card did it one time. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> stressful because I'm like, I'm like, is he gonna get cancelled today? And like, it, you know, these these special interests like yeah. become so. You keep saying part they become your personality, and it. I I feel like you're kind of saying it 
ironically, but also kind of I'm not. not I, yeah, kind of ironically, but, but also not kind really. Of not. Like, and I think it's like there is something, you know, there's something of me in Doctor Who. Doctor Who's a part of me, yes. right? Um, the Beatles are a part of me. Yeah. Um, Star Wars to an extent is a part of me. The nineteen seventy five are a part of me, this, and this was very it's much distressing to think yeah. I might not be able to engage in being obsessed with them anymore. This this is very much how I because I was like, so I had to deactivate Twitter, and then I was like, I'm a terrible person, and Philip's just like, are, are you t- do, do you control that? Yeah. You, and I didn't even I wasn't even one of the people defending it sure. like, I'm not going to defend that so like it's, it is this weird thing of like great I'm projecting my entire self worth onto like a <laughs> guy I've dude. never met <laughs> who didn't ask for this yeah. like um, and I definitely see that yeah with with Doctor Who I think it is it's the kind of fandom that does become a part of you. Like, it's funny. I was having a conversation about this recently. Like, you, even if you wanted to disengage, you can't disengage without suddenly cutting off all of your friends, which you're not going to do because that would be a bit exactly. Like, it's it's, and yeah, I think being autistic feeds into that and it yeah it works quite well so, sorry so i feel like i've taken this on a lot of tangents no, but you did ask I, about special uh, interest i love it you so, asked about special interest <laughs> i should have seen this coming really so <laughs> let's get into you know there's a reason that this question um occurred to me right there is the doctor autistic question it's something i've seen people talk about um before um i you know about the doctor being neurodivergent generally mm-hmm. but also autism coming up yes, as a as yeah. a possibility why do you think people are saying that other than the this thing about being an outsider why do you think people are saying that in terms of the doctor's behavior is there anything that um triggers your da? does it differ through the different incarnations are we being reductive by trying to put autism on the doctor so Shoot. i think like <laughs> there are times i guess to go to your last question like I think a lot of it is to do with this outsider perception. Sure. There are definitely times, and, you know, you can point to a lot of examples of this, where, you know, people look at a non-human character, be it an alien or a robot or something like that, and go, they're autistic in a way that is kind of offensive. I wouldn't say that that is what's happening here, Mm. because in my experience, this is mostly coming from autistic people. And that's yeah, what makes I'd a say that's my observation. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was then the kind of train of thought that led me down this like, oh, okay, well, why are autistic people drawn to the doctor? Um, I think the main thing that I think about is the kind of social awkwardness, the stuff that comes with not understanding Earth culture. You know, Tom Baker saying you're a beautiful woman, probably. Sure. Um, you know. Um, but I that's interesting, isn't it? Because people, I've seen this come up before as like, especially with the classic series, the Doctor doesn't appear to have sexual relationships with anybody or romantic relationships mm-hmm. of any kind. Um, obviously that changes in the new series, yeah. but in the classic series that's the case. Uh, and indeed in City of Death, Tom Baker says that thing about you're a very yeah. beautiful woman probably. And people have 
have kind of made a link between that and autism, but that doesn't really yeah, make sense for me because being like, autistic doesn't preclude having yeah, sexual like, relationships, romantic feelings. Yeah, I it, it like, seem, that seems yeah, kind of uh, I think like, a bad reading. Yeah, asexuality and autism are completely no different. different. But I also think that if you thought someone was a beautiful woman, probably, and you thought about it for a second, you probably wouldn't put the word probably on there. So it's almost it's almost the fact that he seems to think that's an okay thing to or a normal thing to say. Sure. So it's not necessarily the fact that he's thinking it, you know. And also, yeah, there are a few times like that where the doctor will just put their foot in it across the incarnation. They're like socially transgressive, aren't they? Yeah, and you know, obviously. But with some incarnations, it feels deliberate. Yeah. And other incarnations, it doesn't. Yeah. Um. So like, you know. I think you know a lot of that is based is sort of based on the writing and yeah sometimes it's done for comic effect and sometimes it's yeah. just places where the writing is a bit clunky but actually in in a way that works for um, sure for you know for these purposes um, like I guess the elephant in the room here is that the doctor is an alien yeah. they don't you know their brain is not gonna work the same way or fit the same types as you know the human ones we know about and they're not going to understand human social interaction because they're not from this kind of culture which like does put a different spin on it but But equally equally. if people people see themselves in it that's still you know amazing sorry carry on yeah no that's fine i i equally they yes the doctor is a is not a human but we've met other Time Lords mm-hmm. um, who have not been so like socially awkward as the That's Doctor. True. Also, the Doctor has um, spent a lot of time around people. And in some incarnations, for example, the third Doctor who pretty much lived on Earth for yeah. ages, That's true. kind of like is one of the least autistic seeming Doctors, I would say. Yeah, like it's kind He of kind of seems pretty... Um, forgive me if I'm being clunky with my language here, mm. kind of socially well-adjusted, seems to know the right things to say yeah. in social situations. He's also, I guess this kind of comes into some of the stuff I was saying earlier, he's also actually in one place for a long time. Yeah, so true. To and, you know, again, I don't want to be sort of reductive, but unit, you know, the military is kind of a job that, I, I can see that working for a certain flavour of autistic person. There's mm. lots of rules. It's very clear what the social structures are. And it's very, you know, and yeah. But I was, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about parts we coming into this and actually thinking about comparisons with, I know we have not seen very much of him yet, but Shooty Gatwa's doctor. Sure. Is They're both sluts according to Shooty Gatwa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, he's very like, He's very cool. He's very smooth in a way. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. See. And again, that's based on one episode. So that might change. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I do think that maybe this, you might not get, you know, the, the sort of same autistic vibe. But, but he's cool and he's smooth, but he's still, you know, he's so, ex- when in that episode when, uh, in the church on Ruby Road, when mm-hmm. he finds out, he's kind of working out, the um the probability stuff that the goblins are doing yeah 
he's so interested in it and so fixated that's, on that's it. That's true, actually. Yeah. So on, on that level. Yeah. So that's and, and another. And he's similar to Tennant in that yeah, regard. That's another one that actually is throughout the Doctor's. You know, it's just that's their true. Every Doctor, interest. yeah. And you could. <laughs> I was trying to think about like the Doctor and autistic traits. You know, on my way here, and like, obviously there are practical reasons why um, a lot of the Doctor's adventures take place in modern day London. But, like, also, you know... You're going to say Earth in, is his special, special interest. Earth. Yeah, like, yeah. And I guess, you know, the other thing I'm kind of thinking about is, like, we haven't really touched on stimming much. Um, mm. Stimming, short for self-stimulation, basically the kind of repetitive movements an autistic person might do, uh, which can obviously vary a lot. Rocking and hand-flapping are, like, the stereotypes, but you can also think of, like fidgeting with anything and everything that comes to mind, like the, the random bits that the doctor has in their pockets and the, sure. recording, you know, there's a lot of that kind of, again, varies by the incarnation, but there's a lot of like, I'm going to touch every single thing in this room. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually thinking of like, I don't think this is the first time that happened, but the fact that, you know, in it takes you away when the 13th Doctor sees mud and is just like, I I need to eat this, oh, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I think there are definitely, that's the one that comes to mind. I think there are definitely other Doctors that have done similar, like, you know, and that is kind of, I think how that is intended is about the Doctor's inquisitiveness and the fact that they For are sure. so, in, they want to find out everything. And again, they don't necessarily know or care that this might seem unusual to their human companions. But, like, there is definitely a sort of sensory slash stimming element to that as well sometimes. For sure. I'm also thinking of Patrick Troughton just getting out his recorder yeah. on a semi-regular yeah, basis. In, in the 60s, if you wanted to listen to the same song over and over yeah. again, you had to play it yourself. <laughs> um, the, I guess the other thing I just noticed you say, not knowing or caring. Yeah. What, in terms of the social side then, there is a distinction, isn't there? If you're if you're being socially yeah. transgressive, it, there's a distinction between you doing something and like not understanding social conventions and and then being socially transgressive, you know, inadvertently, yeah. and I, and kind of being socially transgressive and not caring that yeah. that's what you're doing. I feel like there's kind of and maybe neither knowing nor caring. Yeah, I I feel like there's kind of three levels to this. Right, you know. There's the kind of, you don't know that this is breaking a social rule level. Sure. Then there's the... So that's, that's for example, um, the 11th Doctor in The Lodger. Yes. That's how he's behaving. Yeah. I, I have he been seems genuinely clueless that yeah. a lot of the things he's doing are not socially appropriate. And, and then you have the, and this is also quite common, I think, in autistic people. You know that this is a social rule because you've been told off for it before, but you don't quite understand why, and you don't quite see what the harm is. And sometimes that can be things that are actually harmless that people are just, you know, a bit weird about. Um, but sometimes that's like, you know, you know that you're not supposed to call someone, you know. You you know that you're not supposed to say something insulting, but you don't quite make the connection to because this will hurt their feelings. That's it's well just, talked to. Yes, so it's points. kind of it's the thing of like 
you know that these are the rules, but you think they're really silly rules because yeah, why yeah, are they yeah. there? So that's kind of what I mean by not... Well, sometimes the... Is, is it the 14th Doctor who was like, am I being rude again? Yeah, yeah. When like, did he say that? I can't... No. It, it was maybe in the giggle, yeah. but yeah, that's an example that's of that so one, it's isn't sort it? Of, it's the sort of thing where like... And then I guess you have the kind of the next thing is where you do have a full understanding of why you shouldn't do the thing, but you do it anyway, either to be deliberately edgy or because you don't agree with the reasoning there. Sixth Doctor. Yes, yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) So it's kind of like, yeah. So when I say not knowing or caring, I don't necessarily mean I'm going to deliberately smash all the rules. For sure. There's a sort of an element of like, oh, well, I know it, but it feels arbitrary and pointless. Yeah, and like and you, sometimes like, you're right about that, and sometimes right. you're not. Like, and like you alluded to earlier, um, with um, what was it you? Were, I've, I've completely lost my train of thought. Uh, like you alluded to earlier with oh, autistic people uh, transitioning, mm-hmm. and maybe there's an element of they're already an outsider or yeah. they're already breaking social conventions. So this is exactly so, it. It's like, yeah, yeah, so maybe it's this thing of like, well. I am autistic. I feel less inclined to care about conforming. Yeah. So I'm just gonna... That, that's exactly it. Yeah. And again, I should say like, I'm not speaking from personal experience here and I'm trying not to like... Yeah. How do you, super, f- super how do you general, feel like, about super, super con- generalist, but conforming? Yeah. What, my... What's your relationship been with conforming? Cause, oh. Because my... I have never wanted to conform. Yeah. I, I was encouraged from a young age not to conform. And I I think, to be honest, I would struggle to conform even if I tried. But I have just lent in to not conforming yeah. to avoid that. My sister, um, maybe less so now, but certainly when she was a bit younger, appeared to very much care about conforming. Yeah, I think, like, it's really tricky because... Again, I'm sort of in the position of, like, I've had experiences of, like, oh, well, I'm already an outsider, so I'm not going to, like, care that much about being popular and liked, and I'm, you know, or, like, I I don't particularly care that this is going to arbitrarily lose me 50 points on the weird social algorithm that some person has in their head, but at the same time... A lot of autistic people, myself included, kind of stick to rules as something that feels safe. And that was certainly the case through school. Yeah. Um, actually, particularly in secondary school, when I felt very outsider, mm. that is kind of a time in a lot of people's lives where they basically start rebelling and they start, you know, it's healthy to a certain extent to kind of For start sure. testing boundaries and things. So... And I just didn't, couldn't do that. And I actually, I felt a bit transgressive in my conformity. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that the, totally fact, that, makes the sense. fact that I still, in, still enjoyed the academic side of school, followed all the rules, did my homework, and everyone else called me a boff for it, made me feel a bit rebellious, but not against the people I was meant to be rebelling against. Right. It's sort of like, like it's a spectrum, right? Yeah. And it's and it's tr- <laughs> it would be transgress transge- transgressive if you were at secondary school and you were like, you know, 
shooting heroin and jacking yeah. cars. Yeah, there's like there's like a <laughs> there's a there's a normal but amount a, of academic you're supposed to there's be. There's a middle ground where yeah. you're like sometimes doing your homework, <laughs> you're getting okay grades, but maybe you're going on the yeah. park and drinking. Right? Yeah. It's like it's <laughs> Yeah. No, I think that was what was supposed to happen and I did not manage that. Yeah. And there were obviously other people who went completely the other way. For and sure. like you know, and that kind of stuck with me and things like like I don't want to dwell on it too much, but for example, the lockdown restrictions, mm. like I felt like I had to follow them to a T in a way that perhaps not everyone did, and that made things quite difficult. And it's yeah. kind of like it's this weird thing where you had people who felt like they were rebelling in you know, not doing that. But then there are also lots of people on the internet telling me that I, um, you know, telling me that I had to like stay inside my room and shut the door and then I'm rebelling against the capitalist society that wants me back at the office. Sure. Like, yeah. it's kind of like, it's, it's yeah. kind of... it's kind of like what is conformity. Weird, there's a weird thing where I think in a lot of, in terms of relationship to rules, conformity, like... People think that conformity is when you follow the rules, when actually conformity is this weird middle ground when you follow the rules, but only when you're supposed to, and you have to magically know when you are and aren't supposed to. Yeah, there are sort and of social rules about and, when we ought to yeah, be following the rules and, and, and not. And being autistic means I don't have those. Yes. Like, like I li- so it's this... Um, Sorry, we were talking about Doctor Who at one point. We, um, we were. And this is I think vaguely it, a I Doctor Who it, podcast. It <laughs> raises an interesting point about how the Doctor's character and it, and its position yeah. in culture has maybe changed over time. You know, thinking about this in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s, um, nerd culture, quote unquote, yeah. was very much that. You know, it was very much fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Doctor Who was hugely po- popular, but to be obsessed with Doctor Who would have been fringe. The Doctor as a character is this kind of um, nerdy weirdo mm-hmm. who is, you know, he's not a um, he's not an aspirational figure, really. Yeah. I, you know, no one's Tom Baker's sexy as fuck, right? But no one in the 70s has been like, Tom Baker is a sex symbol because he's Doctor Who. We get into, yeah. um, maybe they are, I don't know. But that's my impression of it. Yeah. We get to the 2000s. Matt Smith is playing the Doctor. Uh, David Tennant's playing the Doctor. We're in a place where nerd, sort of nerd culture, like counterculture has become the culture yeah. in lots of different ways. And the Doctor's kind of transgressive nerdiness has become kind of attractive and cool yeah you're kind of i get again this is kind of but only to a point yeah it's kind of broad brush but like i think in general you're not supposed to want to be any of the classic doctors or at least one at the time sure whereas like especially david tennant and matt smith but arguably all of them to a certain extent are like this kind of aspirational figure i think you know with 13, that gets a bit more complicated. But I think actually a lot of the... A lot of my objections to some of the discourse around there is actually, like, maybe the Doctor isn't always an aspirational figure. Sure. And, yeah. you know, maybe sometimes they do do things that our very best selves wouldn't do. Like... I think the trouble for me with 
that aspect of 13's character, though, was that the show didn't seem to know that and didn't seem to tell us that necessarily. Yeah, I'm not sure if I say it didn't seem to know that, but it didn't necessarily write it you know explicitly it didn't commit to the idea yeah that's exactly it so it sort of it sort of toyed with that in a way that like you know um like equally kind of some of the backlash to some of the things like i'm gonna i'm gonna touch on can you hear me um i was gonna bring this up i was worried you were and i'm preempting you bringing it up (laughs) by bringing it up (laughs) i was like i knew i thought about this for half a second it's because we've spoken about it before actually yeah that's true we did but like as well as soon as i thought about is the doctor autistic for half a second i was like we're going to have to talk about. Can- we're going to have to. It's. Going I recently to- rewatched. Can you hear me? Oh right? really? What did you well, make? What did you make of it? On a well, because I rewatched um, all of New Who with my flatmate Beth. Okay. Um, and we did the Jodie Whittaker era. Yeah. She kind of was pretty cold on it, to be honest. Okay. We got to Can You Hear Me. We got to the scene we're about to talk about yeah. the the Graham talking about his yeah. cancer to the Doctor. <laughs> my flatmate. <laughs> was a gog. Like she couldn't <laughs> believe that so the doctor like, was behaving like that. It's it's a strange so like first of all I think it is fair to say that that scene could have been better written. For in, sure. In numerous ways. Like I'm not gonna say that this like, is the a, dialogue isn't yeah. realistic yeah. anyway. It's like just I'm not crappy gonna dialogue. I'm not gonna sit here and say that like that is perfect dialogue. Um because I also am not sure that Again, as you were saying, I'm not sure it was necessarily intended to have the the kind of response that it got, if that makes sense. For sure. It wasn't delivered. What I would say to, like, not even the criticism of the scene necessarily, a lot of which, actually, in hindsight, I would agree with, but the extent of the backlash. And a lot of it, let's be honest... A lot of it wasn't really about that scene. It was about people who didn't like this era anyway continuing to not do so. Yes, true. And to be fair, some, that's for some of the same reasons. Like, if you don't like the era because of its clunky dialogue, then this will not change your mind. Yeah, for like, sure. Something that I found, and this is going to sound really silly. I feel silly for not having realised this. But something that I found in terms of the RTD2 era and why people seem much more forgiving of things like for example some of the trans stuff in the star beast Mm. is that ultimately if you are enjoying something more you are more likely to forgive any little any little misgivings whereas if you are not enjoying something you are more likely you, you are less likely to forgive and it's not that people are deliberately being biased more than just like I liked this mm-hmm. and I did not like this. So like, I do think that that's, that's part of it at the time, you know, for an episode that was broadly supposed to be, you know, talk about mental health, sure. in quite a simplistic way. Um, at the time, yeah, that's what we, like, me and Beth were also howling at that. You know, the scene where all the guys yeah, are talking. It is. We're it, going, there are broader, oh, they're doing men's mental yeah, health. Yeah, there, are, <laughs> there are broader criticisms you can make of that sure. narrative that are not limited to this episode. <laughs> at the time, as an autistic woman, for sure, reading that back. Oh, I guess this is specifically interesting because she's, yeah, she's a woman. Yeah. yeah, like reading that back, it felt very much like, ah, 
don't 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 get into conversations about mental health because you might mess it up and if you do mess it up you are going to do a lot of damage they will probably hate you but which i don't again i don't think is necessarily true i think these are people that didn't like this era anyway worth remembering the doctor is a fictional character she doesn't she doesn't actually incur any harm from this yeah like and like but it did, it, it's, I guess it comes back to some of the things we were talking about earlier of just something that I got a bit fixated on and something that felt very personal in a way that was not necessarily intended. The other kind of element to it is like, and again, some of that, the 13th Doctor was by and large written by Chris Chibnall, which may, you know, may may not have helped matters. And I say that as more of a fan of his work than most people, I think, at this point. Like, so, but there are times where, like, for example, you know, the 10th Doctor, who was this really aspirational figure. Yeah. Like, kind of seemed to get away with stuff in a way that like as as a kind of like or 11 even would would fully be able to just kiss people on the mouth without consent and it's kind of like oh socially awkward in a way that if you are a woman you do not get away with and that's not necessarily like like it's almost more about the misogyny than any particular ableism and obviously being autistic is not an excuse to like wildly go around hurting people's feelings it doesn't mean that you can never be criticized it doesn't mean that that was a good way to respond and again you know i think you're right that it it wasn't necessarily intended to be like that but i I do think if if you know if chris had set her up as you know a person who was constantly putting her foot in it found those kinds of conversations difficult if he'd done that successfully, maybe he could have pulled that scene off. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't feel like he really did that yeah, with I, that I, character. I, I, I get that. I think. And also, she didn't. She didn't handle the conversation badly, and um, say the wrong thing. She just avoided the conversation altogether. It felt like a kind of. I mean, I feel like that is a form of handling it badly. I suppose so. It was, but like, I, I feel like it was a. It was a sort of it's the sort cowardice of that we're not yeah. used to from the Doctor. It's the sort of thing that yeah. like. It's the sort of thing, though, that I could... That element of it is something that in the moment I could see myself doing of a sort of a mo- of like, mm. an, I don't know how to process this. And then, and this is how, this is how probably I would have done the scene differently. Mm. Had another scene, had her go back yeah. and be like, I'm sorry I reacted like that. And, you know... That would have been amazing. Yeah. I think that's what I, like, I think, I think that's what I would have done. But like... You know, in the moment, those things can be difficult. For sure. It can be For difficult sure. to know how. To, so I, I sort of see it as. You're so right. There just wasn't enough stuff around yeah. it. it. I mean, you know, you think it's a totally different kind of scene. Um, but a scene people always talk about is um, Twelfth Doctor in Under the Lake. Yes, with the cards. with the cue cards when he's trying to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, it doesn't have the same gravity as that scene in Can You Hear Me? But I think it's an example of... You Sorry, know, what was... Gra- gra- gravity? 
it doesn't have the same malady <laughs> as the ah, scene in the as the scene in Can You Hear Me. However, you know, it's an example of the doctor being in a situ- situation socially that he either doesn't understand or struggles with mm-hmm. and you know with the help of somebody in his life that's important yeah. to him he's trying out this strategy and he's trying to tackle it yeah he fucks it up ultimately mm. but we but it there's the context of we can see from the fact clara's prepared the cue cards that there's a context for this being difficult for him yeah. we see him fuck it up but we sort of we sort of feel for him yeah with the can you hear me one there isn't any of that context and it doesn't seem like she's trying. So one thing that I think in hindsight I would really have liked to see more of in the 13th Doctor era is like, they kind of do this thing of like, you know, she's on her own. She doesn't open up to anyone. But there's also the habit of just every episode being overstuffed with characters such that you don't actually see, well, okay, if she's hiding how she's really feeling, how is she really feeling? And perhaps having... You know, like, I'm not going to get into Thasmin discourse, obviously, but she didn't, like, for a lot of 13's time as a doctor, she didn't really have someone like Clara who she, she could rely on to play. Yeah. It felt like she barely yeah. knew them. So, like, I w- perhaps it would have been interesting to explore the impact of that. Um, I think there is also a gendered thing of, like, a because of the in general women tend to take on more of the you know that kind of unspoken domestic and emotional labor sure you know, i guess the labor clara is doing in under yeah the lake, and like know. in like something that kind of happens in i guess reality and again it's it's all this is all very broad brush but like you know autistic men are essentially more likely to have a wife taking care of the things that they struggle with or a mother taking care of the things that they struggle with and whereas women may be more likely to be functionally on their own either because they are or because they're still expected to do all the stuff and i think there's more stigma around for example women struggling with cooking or you know so Mm. i guess there's like there's an element of like and obviously this isn't, they're, they're two different showrunners, so this was not the intention, but there's an element of like, what, like men are more likely to have people like Clara around. She, ca- also, she cares so I don't have to. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to come back to that line in a second, actually. <laughs> um, there's also, again, I think it's more gendered really than about autism, but where a man who may or may not be autistic is socially awkward don't get me wrong, there's often still a lot of vitriol. Like, I'm not going to say autistic men have it easy. They don't. Um, but there's there's a more of a sort of awe kind of vibe I in a way mean. that in a way that autistic women get... It's like she's a rude bitch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's kind of, you know... And there are a lot of things there. I think, basically, I think the scene with the cue cards is better written. Like, those... Yeah. Those things make a difference as well, but I also think those elements are there. Coming back to she cares, so I don't have to. <laughs> I was, um, you know, and entirely flipping the narrative I just gave about um, gendered divisions of labour. For sure. Um, I was at a wedding this week. A Doctor um, Who wedding, right? A Doctor Who wedding. There was a singing Dalek. It was incredible. So good. Um, and I was an attendant at the wedding, um, kind of in, in the wedding party. Yeah. And uh, my my partner was with me, 
um and these are kind of these are kind of university friends so mm-hmm. i was in i was in the um but because because my partner was there in practice he did helped a lot with the setup and a lot of the you know he was fun- functionally in the wedding party for all but the ceremony right yeah and i like Obviously, it's quite an emotionally charged thing. I had a bit of a meltdown on the first, you know, the, I had a bit of a meltdown on the first day because I was panicking about stuff. There was a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And Philip, bless him, picked up so much of the slack around like navigating all of that and also taking care of things like the constant packing and unpacking. And at one point, um, we joked about like what exactly his role was. Uh, we settled on attendance, attendant. <laughs> but um, one suggestion he made was, I don't care as much, so you don't have to care as much. <laughs> like a kind of a spin on the like yeah. caring, so I don't have to. And I like, yeah, I I definitely feel like sometimes he plays that role, and I really appreciate it. Nice one, Philip. Nice one. Um. Uh, <laughs> Big up, big, shout out, Philip. Big, big up. Um, one more question before you've got to mm-hmm. head off and get your train. Yeah. Is it time for an explicitly autistic Doctor Who character? Yes. Um, you know, we've had like it, it would be, it would be nice. I think one of the things that we kind of didn't really touch on is the fact that you know there are sometimes difficulties around these like unintentional autistic representations which is what dot who is you know yeah um there are in, times in, again in the same way that doctor who is uh, the doctor yeah. is unintentional trans rep- yeah. representation like i there are times and i'm you know thinking about things like the big bang theory for instance where sure. it does like, more harm than good well it so the reason I bring up the Big, Th- Big Bang Theory is they are very careful, both on camera and behind the scenes, to make clear that Sheldon is not officially autistic. Okay. And the reason that is, and basically the reason they're doing that is because if they make him explicitly autistic, they then actually do have a bit of responsibility for uh, not making him a giant stereotype. Sure. So I think sometimes you get that kind That's of dynamic. so annoying. On the flip side, sometimes where you do get an explicit, you know, autistic representation, sometimes, you know, particular, you know, sometimes it becomes when it's like a show about autism, it ends up being a tick box of every stereotype going, and, sure. you know, again, ends up arguably doing more harm than good. Mm. I think. Personally, I think my favourite autistic characters are the ones where it's actually not a big deal. And again, I'm thinking about Arbed in Community. Mm-hmm. He is explicitly autistic. I think Asperger's is the label used, but that was that was what was like used at the time. Yeah. Um, and he does explicitly have that label. And he does things that are very autistic. And sometimes he is the focus. And sometimes his autism is the focus. But he's also part of this ensemble cast and is involved in plot lines that have absolutely nothing to do with being autistic. Sure. And it means that it's not like a very special episode. So I think that would be my big thing of like, if you're going to write an autistic character, you know, I wouldn't want it to be, this is about autism now. Yes, but, you'd sprinkle it through. Know, yeah, exactly. Like Ryan's dyspraxia. <laughs> yes, but actually sprinkle it. But, but yeah. actually sprinkle it. Yeah. You know? Um... Cool. 
I, I, you've got to go and get a train now. Yes. Um, but um, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank um, you. It's been extremely enlightening and um, I've enjoyed it a lot. I've really enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Super. Um, that's really good to hear. So Where, do you want to plug your podcast you did? Yes. So uh, Philip, uh, my partner, Philip Wheeland, and I over the summer did a podcast cruising through doomsday. Um, yes, that is a Bastille reference, um, <laughs> which um, was basically us and friends following the Doctor Who transmedia spin-off Doomsday. Um, so that is obviously all done, and you can find it at cruisingthroughdoomsday.podbean.com. It's in the description, baby. Thank you. I am Mind the Flap on most of the socials where you can see me intermittently not post and post too much. Super deeper. And you can find me on Twitter at... Uh fuck twitter man you can find me on instagram at molly martian underscore you can find the podcast on instagram at galactic yo-yo pod underscore um and i will see you here in a couple of weeks for another episode i've no idea where i'm putting this out so yep i hope um everything's going well in the world bye bye everybody